October, Friday the 13th, 1989, Jimmy Wade Martin's body was found on a street in the small town of Bonterre, Missouri. When there are witnesses, a murder weapon, and a taped confession, how exactly does a murder become a cold case? This case has not ended by any stretch of the imagination. A lot of people in that town's not going to. You know, come. rumor has it it was big brawl, big bar fight. County jail. We have been working so hard on this. I can't be silent anymore. You know, like you know that guy that got killed here last night. There was rumors going around like the next day. We started doing a lot with Facebook. The question is, what happened to Jimmy Wade Martin? From Blueburn Productions. This is Small Town Forgotten. I'm your host, Chris Holsey. This call is from a correctional facility and may be monitored and recorded. Were you involved in, in a fight that night at all, other than, than that specific Yeah, I tried incident? to stop them from beating on one guy. I tried to stop them three from beating on one guy. And I didn't know none of these people, didn't know none of their names until, until all of a sudden. Whenever I tried to stop them from beating on him, that's when they all came chasing him. So the people were were beating on. Yeah. Okay. Our intention was to air my recent phone interview with David Brian White in this episode, but we can't. Things have changed. Something has happened that has seriously altered the course of our story, and we have to pause and take a step back to reevaluate with new information. We've been reminded of how deeply this podcast can affect an outcome in the cold case of Jimmy Wade Martin. How careful we need to be, how purposeful we need to be. To be perfectly frank, we think we have a big break in this case, but we have to do our due diligence with this information. We have to make sure that what we are reporting is the truth and that we are not negatively affecting the innocent or detrimentally affecting our goal of justice for Jimmy. We are only five episodes in. We are in a place we didn't realize we could be so quickly. We had hoped that this podcast would bring attention to the case and inspire people to come forward, but the result has exceeded our expectations. To honor the spirit of taking a breath and stepping back, I have invited the twins, Andrea and Angela, to the studio so we can go over what we have learned and answer listener questions about the investigation in the first four episodes of the podcast. So we're in the studio... Uh, and Andrea and Angela are kind enough to join me here, and we're just going to kind of go over what the podcast has has achieved so far, and how you guys are feeling, and just let you know, I really appreciate you guys coming in. Glad to be here. I never in a million years dreamed it would be where it is right now. Yeah, I think we're, from the first time we reached out to you, maybe four months in, not quite four yeah. months actually. yeah. Um, and I've been pretty impressed with with you guys and the reach that the podcast has had so far. You know, without Small Town Forgotten, we would still just have our Facebook page, you know. So there, we just have a lot to be grateful for, especially with, you know, everybody that um, come together and made this thing happen. And two, you know, I, I said this, a million times, like whenever Sean said, you are not alone anymore, like that really hit because for the last 13 years, we have been alone and we have tried to get help and we have tried to, we've reached out to so many different people that, um, you know, we never, 
no one ever took us seriously. Mm-hmm. And I feel no matter what anybody says or however this turns out to be, if it wasn't for a small town forgotten, we wouldn't even be, like I said, we'd still be reading over our stuff, you know, like we normally did and we'd be on Facebook, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be nothing without no. you guys. So we are very grateful and appreciative very much. Well, we're glad to be a part of it. The four episodes that we've released so far about the podcast, let's talk about this the main character so far, this David Brian White. Kind of explain to me what were the turn of events according to him that night as you guys know him. I know that we've we've played this out, but in simple words, what exactly happened that night? Well, from what, you know, just um, talking to him, and there was maybe a few things in the police report that he had just gotten out of either jail or prison and was only home for, what, 14 hours? Mm-hmm. And he was staying at his mom's, which she lived in Montaire, um, probably three blocks from where it happened. And then um, he had walked to, he was walking to his brother's, went there, and then he was walking back. He saw a guy that to he... To his mother's. To his mother's, and he saw a guy somewhere that he met through Alcohol Anonymous. Okay, yes. our Tom Anderson. Tom yes, Anderson, yeah. and so he met him, and they were just like kind of hanging out or whatever at somebody's house, and then they all started walking because one of the women that was with them wanted to go say hi to her dad who was at the bar. So they were walking back to the bar, and whenever I guess they got to the bar, that's when everything happened. But he, I mean, he really didn't say much about, like any detail, just basically, you know, they were walking, they met so-and-so, and then they walked down to the bar. So he's walking by, and there's the fight that he broke up, and the person that was getting beat up is our Shane Hill, mm-hmm. for purposes of the podcast. What, do you think that he, this Shane Hill, could have had anything to do with this? Do do I think he is a part of it? Do I think he's a guilty party? Um, I'm thinking no, but I do think he knows more than what he has said. You know, he said he was knocked out. If that's true, I don't know he could have been running up the street with the rest of them. Yeah, so, because I don't think we've mentioned in the podcast, but we actually reached out to him, to this Shane Hill. So there's a lot of questions with Shane Hill. Um, I have my suspicions on why he chooses to remain quiet. Do I think he he killed my dad? No. Do I think he knows way more than what he's saying? Yes. Now, let's talk about your dad, what we know about what he did that day. What is um, What were the events of his day as far as you guys know? Well, as far as I know, he went to work. And he was a union painter up in the city. And um, him and my mom were separated at the time. And that's, you know, I know he called her collect a few times. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, I had talked to him that day because he was supposed to come and get us the next day on Saturday. And on Friday night, he's like, what are you guys doing? And I told him we are going to stay the night at Jamie, our friend's house, and and going to the football game. And stay in the night with her, and we are sleeping out in her camper for her birthday. And 
I remember whenever we got a phone, he's like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. I love you girls. And, you know, we were like, we love you too. And um, I don't remember what part of the day that was. It's kind of kind of a blur, some of it. But um, then I know he went to my grandma's because he was staying there at the time. And he got cleaned up to go out. And that's when he saw Aunt Dodie or whatever. They were both living at grandma's. And then, um, as far as I know, he just went out that night. The events that we have is your dad went to work, he came home, then he went to a bar, presumably with nothing going on particularly to be scared of in his life. Mm-hmm. And and then this David Brian White, who just got into town and just got out of jail or prison, comes walking through town and beats somebody he doesn't know to death. That's the... That's the official narrative. And, you know, whether you think it adds up or not, you know, I think people can form their opinions, but it it definitely seems odd, I think. Yes. You know, there's no motive. He had zero motive. He didn't even know who my dad was. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know things can happen and things can get out of hand if there's a fight. Um, But a lot more people had motive. Tim Anderson's statement He says he heard Jimmy had insurance settlement, and that was a rumor. Um, That was, you know, my mom had that insurance money, but people thought he had insurance money. So there was, that's one motive. Um, But there are, we know of a few other motives that, that David Brian White did not have a single motive. Do you think that the, potential insurance money had anything to do with it? I do. do. I do. Along with a few other reasons. There were several motives and they got him alone. David White had no motive. Other people had not just one motive, but several. And why would Shane Hill chase David White if he just broke him up from a fight and pretty much saved him? Right. Why would he, why would he be like, Oh, let me help you. Oh, now you're going to chase me. I don't think that happened. Right. And also in the police report, it states that it doesn't say what fight because there was a few fights that night. Um, there was one on over by Allen Street by Dr. What was that doctor's name? Parat. Parat. Yeah. So there was a fight, my dad's fight. There was a fight by Dr. Parat's office. So in the police report, it says, okay, so Shane Hill was wearing a white T-shirt and blue jeans. Um, they saw a man fitting that description on their way to the fight. But it I, doesn't, say it doesn't fight. specify which fight. Um, so if they're referring to the fight that my dad was in, I don't think Shane was a part of it. I think um, he got beat up. He was on the ground and he started heading home. So we, we know now if, from the episode that you guys have talked to David Brian White and he's currently incarcerated when was the first time that you guys got in contact with him? You don't have to tell me the whole story, but w- yeah, when was um, that? <clears throat> August of 2020. Is that right? August or September? I think it was August. So that was right before the podcast started. Right. Right. Like, before. Just, yeah. Like a couple months. Because Yeah. Because whenever we um, last talked to Sean, he had no idea all the things that, had transpired since our last conversation. And that was kind of a big one that um, 
had transpired about a probably a few just a few weeks before the podcast. Mm-hmm. So, and you guys don't think that David Brian White, or I should I say I should say, do you guys think that David Brian White killed your dad? I don't think he killed him. Uh, is it possible he hit him? That's a possibility. Um, did he kill him? No. Um, I agree. And I think the reason why is because, well, a few, several. Um, but I think he was trying to defend himself. Uh, and whenever he jumped up on that ledge, he felt definitely threatened. And I don't know, you know, and he even says, and I take what he says with a grain of salt, but, you know, that he was trying to get away from people chasing him. He wasn't killing someone. And I think that he swung several times, not, not even swung. Um, I don't yeah, know. the four by four, the landscape. Four, timber. Yeah, the landscaping timber. Yeah. Um, and I I believe him whenever he says that he's swinging it around in circles, because that's pretty much if you, that's, in my opinion, the only way you can defend yourself with a four by four. Well, especially at 140, 150 pounds. Yes. Yes. And, um, I think he was just trying to defend himself and he hit somebody. Um, and I think the reason why he was let the charges were dismissed is because the evidence did not prove his guilt. So, so the, so the landscape timber that was found 40 something feet from his body with the dark colored hair and the blood there had to have been something that came from it. Whether it was DNA, I don't think they would have had DNA at the time, but they would have had blood oh, type. Blood type, yeah. yeah. And Something had to have happened with that. And I think... <clears throat> what information do you have about that? I think three days before the trial, I think they had banked on that. That was their smoking gun. You know, we're going to get him. He did it. He's already been locked up for three years. This is... They had... I feel like they had tunnel vision and didn't really look into anyone else because... He had admitted it. He, you know, was arrested for it, and they thought, slam dunk, this is it, until they got that back. I mean, they were so focused on David Brian White that even whenever the results come back inconclusive, that it was not my dad's blood, not my dad's hair, not David White's blood, not David Brian White's hair. All right, so going back to um, our Tom Anderson and his story, And in the statement that he gave to the police, he kept saying that David Brian White had stated that he was in a cult or that he was really wanting to get in a fight that night. What do you think that's all about? You know, I'm not really sure on that one, but um, he's not violent. His past, his record um, is drug-related. It's not, he does not have a violent history. Right. And I think that, no motive, no violent history, um, self-defense. That's that's what I and I think um, you know his all of his charges from past are drug related. And if they were doing drugs that night, hard telling what he said. Um, I, if he was a violent criminal, I think we would be having a different discussion. Right. In David Brian White's in one of the conversations with him, he he told a story about. Uh, your dad coming to him in a dream. Can you yes. tell me about that? Mm-hmm. Um, 
It was actually the first time that I talked to him, actually on the phone, not in person, but on the phone, because whenever we talked to him, he was in jail, and then he went to the prison after that. So when we talked to him, it was the first time I talked to him while he was in the prison, he said, nobody believed me about this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. He said, I had a dream about your dad. I said, really? I said, what, what was it? And he said, he came to me in a dream two days before I was released and said, everything's going to be okay. He said he was right because I got, I got released two days after that. Wow. So, yeah, and obviously we're, we're in the studio today because some things have changed in the case. There's big things happening that, that, that we know about that we can't necessarily share. We're all trying to do our due diligence before we, before we put anything out there. We don't want to jeopardize anything that could happen in the future. But talking about the podcast, um, how has that been for you as, as the podcasts have been released? What's been the feeling around town? Have people contacted you? Have Are people asking you oh, questions? Yeah. It's crazy because like as soon as one comes out, I'll get... Actually, the first time the first one came up, I don't know how many messages I had because my phone was kind of acting kooky before this, but my phone definitely quit. And it was a joke that I had so many messages and texts that my phone blew up, which it did quit working. But um, I've gotten so many and like people will be like, I didn't remember. I don't know how many messages I've gotten. I didn't ever think about this until I heard the podcast. It made me remember something. I mean, I've gotten several messages like that. It's kind of it was overwhelming at first, all the yeah. messages and people I haven't heard from for so long. Hey, we're supporting you. You know, um, I don't know about Angela, but I've gotten tons of messages stating like they were sorry that they never knew that we had been through something like this. And, you know, how could I have known you my whole life and never knew that you guys were going through this? But it's something that I don't I mean, we just did our thing. And yeah, it's, I think it's something that we really didn't. Indulge in much. Yeah. Like, just did it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even really think some of my closest friends knew that her and I would be digging through the book or the Jimmy Bible on a Saturday night um, or making phone calls to, or stalking. We are real, <laughs> we've really gotten good at stalking. Like, <laughs> um, and also, you know, I got a message from, Chris's mom and it was just hearing from family I haven't heard from in a long time and it just it just really opened your eyes to like how many people were affected were affected and like support us and you know um D Chris's mom said you know I just really got to thinking she had you know two kids and lived in another state and she wasn't here and she said I just feel like I wasn't there for you and it was like um, I think people just hearing the podcast, it really, it's more than just the twins' dad got murdered. No one has served justice for this. And we're the ones doing the investigation for the last 13 years. Biggest thing that I've gotten feedback from is when is the next one? Yes, yes. That's definitely, or, oh my gosh, cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've gotten a lot of that as well, and we're we're running so hard trying to get these put out, but also to, like I said, do our due diligence and make sure that everything we put out is is correct right. and, and doesn't jeopardize anything that could happen in the future. Right. Um, 
So what what are some of the questions that you guys have been getting? I know one that I've gotten is if the person that killed your dad is not David Brian White, then they are potentially still out in, you know, among regular people and obviously they're capable of killing. Are you girls scared? Are you fearful of anything? Anyone coming after you? No. no. I don't know why. I'm just it's not. It's because we're Martins and they should be scared of us. Because right. we have. That's right. We, that's right. <laughs> we are equipped <laughs> with a lot of information. Yeah. We have gotten so much information, they should be scared of us. Yep. Honestly. What do your husbands think about the podcast? Are they scared for you or how, how do your husbands feel about the podcast? Um. Actually, I have a gun. My husband got me. Um, not that he's scared, but um, I'm not scared to pack. <laughs> but uh, but he is so supportive. I mean, there's been times he's like, it'd be nice outside. Let's go do something. And he'll come out, and I'll be on the deck with paper scattered everywhere. And I'm like, well, he's like, I see you're busy. You know, so he is very, very supportive. He's probably, I don't know how many times I've been let down, and he's kind of like my gives me the positive vibe that I need. Like, hey, look how many times you've been let down. It's It can only get better from here. I don't know. He's always got these little... Things his, to pick you up. Yes. He's always my pick-me-up. He's always very, very supportive. Same for me. Um, like, no matter what we have planned, if something of the podcast comes up or... Uh, it's just working. Yeah. I mean, he knows it takes precedent over everything. And, like, after I listen to a podcast, you know, are you okay? Because, uh, you know, it, it it's very emotional. Sometimes it's like ripping the Band-Aid off again. Yes, yes. And um, one day I'm like, why do I feel 12 again? You know, like, you just emotionally go back to that dark space for a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think both of our husbands are very supportive. Yeah, and they they, they know twin time. Yeah, they get it. Because we have a lot of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Andrea and Angela, I want to thank you guys for coming in here and talking to me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I really appreciate it and uh, really appreciate all the work you guys have done. And I hope that Small Town Forgotten uh, is playing a big part in this. And and we are here to let you know that you're not alone anymore. And we're here with you and we're in it for the long haul, whatever that may be. There's no doubt in my mind without Small Town Forgotten, I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today and we cannot thank you guys enough. It's a very big blessing. Based on the evidence and what we know, it doesn't seem possible that David Brian White killed Jimmy Wade Martin. One, Jimmy Wade's injuries do not support the motive of self-defense. Dr. Zaracor, the pathologist who worked the autopsy report, stated that the evidence suggested that Jimmy Wade was hit from behind once, knocked out, and then hit three times on the forehead. Two, I've tried it. It's very difficult to wield a 4x4 piece of timber and hit anything accurately twice, let alone three times. Not to mention, I'm much bigger than David Brian White was. It's difficult to believe that the timber is even the murder weapon. Three, There was a crowd of people there when this happened. Tom Anderson refers to it as a whole bunch of people. My cousin Dodie said she was told that there were several fights that night. 
Many people have told me personally that it was like a scene from Roadhouse. The twins had heard from their relatives who drove by that it was like a riot that night. Somebody must have seen something. Well, let me ask you, why would anyone in this close-knit community keep quiet about seeing David Brian White, a complete stranger, hitting and killing Jimmy Wade Martin? They wouldn't. They would be happy to turn him in. If we can all agree that someone saw something that night, then we can also agree that they're not talking about what they saw because they knew the person who did it. But I'm not an expert. I'm not an experienced person of law enforcement. I have never solved a murder. And I'm perfectly aware that there are many facts and personal accounts of this case that are unknown to me at this time. But also, I am not alone. The twins are not alone. We have all of you helping us. I hope that you, our listeners, understand that this pause in the podcast is not only temporary, but necessary. Your emails, your phone calls, your information are helping us get to the truth. A truth that is closer now than it has ever been in the 31 years since Jimmy Wade was murdered. The pressure is on in this community, and the silence that has surrounded this case is turning to chatter. Soon, more people will start talking, and we intend to be here when they do. Please stay with us. I promise it will be worth it. Our goal is to have the next episode on February 16th, but just because the next episode is not uploaded does not mean we will not have updates on our social media outlets. Please, stay tuned. Next time on Small Town Forgotten, we share the big break in the case. Small Town Forgotten is presented by Blueburn Productions, writer and executive producer Vanessa Martin, creative and executive producer Ashton Holsey, director and executive producer Sean Lee Martin, and myself. Small Town Forgotten is produced in association with Vagrant Media Productions, Brett Wiley, Jake Delaloy, Caleb Cook, Podcast distribution and digital strategy by Logan Janis with Kerrigan Ventures. Original music written and performed by Todd Holsey. For more information, please visit smalltownforgotten.com. Please like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Special thanks to the twins, Andrea and Angela, for their perseverance. I'm your host, Chris Holsey. Thanks for listening to Small Town Forgotten.